The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. All right, our topic today is a forgotten key for dynamic growth. So a a guy was out shopping in the mall and he collapsed. And uh, so the clerks rushed over to him and uh, and called 911, and the paramedics came, and they, they stabilized him and got him to the hospital, and he had open-heart surgery, a triple-bypass surgery. And so he woke up um, uh, under the care of some nuns in a Catholic hospital. And about a day later, he found himself in the presence of a rather stern-looking nun with a big clipboard f- full of papers. And she was very interested in how he was going to pay for the procedure he had just had. And so she asked him, do you have health insurance? And he said, no health insurance. He said, well, do you have money in the bank? He said, no money in the bank. And she got kind of irritated at him. She said, well, now, do you have a relative who could pay for this bill? And he said, well, I've got a spinster sister, but she's a nun. Well, that particular nun got a little upset at that, and she says, nuns are not spinsters. Nuns are married to God. And the guy in the bed said, well, good, then send the bill to my brother-in-law. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. (laughs) But truth be known, we can turn to the divine for support. Hear this. There is more guidance, empowerment, more blessings available to you and me than we could ever imagine right now. And today I invite you to open to this, get grounded in this, so that you can experience firsthand the limitless love that is available to you and the the boundless life that can unfold through you. You see, there is a power and a principle of growth throughout all of creation. So it seems that this life essence that has birthed it all, this life essence in everything, in everyone, is continually seeking to reveal and to fulfill and to express more of itself through its creation. And that includes you and me. An ancient text suggests that angels hover over every blade of grass, whispering, grow, grow, grow. And that same voice whispers to you and me. It's a a relentless urge for growth. It it births our our dreams and our desires for uh, improving and progress and advancement of our lives. It launches our quests for, for greater understanding, greater freedom, justice, equality for all. It's the impulse behind humanity's greatest feats, whether it's the the dramas of Shakespeare or the the, uh, miracles wrought through modern science and medicine or landing on the moon or the bringing down of the Berlin Wall and so many more. It's this energy that is afoot in this life that is constantly bringing more good into expression. It's the deep calling in you and me for transcendence and for growth. Yeah, there's that whispering, grow, grow, grow. And yet so many reply, no, 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 to that very thing. How often it is that we can fall off the path of true and continual growth 
We chalk it up, well, it's my age, you know, no, no, no growing now, or, or it's my youth, or it's my station, or it's, it's this and that going on in life. It's my problems, it's my past, and we have this whole litany of reasons why growth is no longer in the cards for us. And yet if we resist growth, we fall into alienation with life. Because I tell you, if something is alive... It will be growing. That's the nature of life itself. If something is alive, it is going to be growing. And so, what it seems is that many lives have become detoured off the main thoroughfare or deadened. And it doesn't need to be. A lot of this is because of uh, so much self-judgment and fear. It's like we are constantly experts at judging our past and then we turn around and fear our future. And, and we find it difficult to really be growing. Now there's a, a, a thing in the Bible that kind of sheds light on this symbolically. And by the way, all of the Bible really is a symbolic expression of the growth and evolution of human consciousness. That's really what it is about. about. And so there was the time, you probably remember, when, when Moses was charged with bringing the children of Israel out of captivity. And he took it on and went with it. And uh, they got out of Egypt, but then they wandered, it says, for 40 years. Now, I don't know how he kept his job, but he did. (laughs) And they they wandered for 40 years. And you know what? They were searching for the promised land. And you know, actually, they got close. They, They got to the land of Canaan, the promised land, but they wouldn't go in because they had heard that giants dwelt in Canaan. And no way they were going to go into a land full of giants. Well, Moses decided he was going to send Joshua and Caleb to check it out and to bring him a report. So they did. And they came back all jazzed. Uh, They were really fired up to go take Canaan. They said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. But you know what? They didn't. They still hung around paralyzed. Moses then passed, and Joshua took over leadership of the children of Israel. And the very first thing he did was proclaim to everybody, in three days we're going in. We're going into the promised land. And they did. Now again, there's such deep, rich symbolism in all this. And first of all, it's to understand the meaning of the biblical names. Joshua, as you'll see on the screen here in a moment, represents the I am. The God self, the true self of you and me. Not the egoic, fear-based self that embraces and lives under the cloud of limitation, but the I am, the, the spirit self, the true self of you and me. And Caleb represents faith and enthusiasm. So any time we experience a true breakthrough, a a true leap forward in our life, I believe it's because we finally got around to reclaiming those elements of Joshua and Caleb. We've gotten back to who we really are. And we fired that up with a great healthy dose of faith and enthusiasm. And really what that dynamic combo does is it makes of each of us a spiritual warrior, fully capable of felling any of the giants in our life. But I want to pause here 
and ask you, what is the calling for you? What haunts you on a quiet night about what's available and what beckons to you? What's that promised land of greater life expression, greater fulfillment, greater discovery? What's that, perhaps that next chapter that you know you've got to move into, but you don't know what it's going to look like and you don't know how you're going to do it? And yet deep within your heart, you know it's time. What calls you? And I tell you what, at the moment you get in touch with that, and I pray that you, you are or will get in touch with that, immediately a part of us suggests there's got to be a bunch of giants with there that are going to make you. We can't go. There are a bunch of giants. A bunch of giant problems, giant unknowns, giant limitations, giant past, giant verdicts and, and broadcast agreements, giants, giants, giants. And we can just wander if we don't watch it. We can wander. And yet life calls us to so much more than that. It calls us to move forward in our growth. And so this brings me to the forgotten key that can align with that growth imperative, align with that Joshua and Caleb and every one of us. The forgotten key is the key of grace. Grace. Now I know that for many, grace is a very misunderstood and mysterious spiritual concept. But let's just keep it really simple. Grace is the endless love and the limitless givingness of the divine, of the spirit, of God, of the one life, whatever you choose to call that. It is the endless love and the infinite givingness of that which is for you, for me, for all, for all. And there are those who then would suggest, well, yeah, but I've come to believe that grace is rare, or you got to earn it, or somehow be worthy of it. And I say to that, which is a theological term, um, I, I say to that that that's, that's, that's fear-based theology. How could the divine ever seek to limit itself at the heart of all creation? How could it ever? It can't. And therefore, its intent always has to be to further, to progress, to bless, to support its creation going forward. And so this grace that is the partner to growth, this grace is omnipresent. It is unlimited and it is freely given to all of us. See, I've come to understand that growth and grace are partners. You see, it's, it's the growth impulse in you and me that brings us to the edge that says it's not okay to stay in a comfort zone too long. Brings us to the edge. And it's grace that makes it safe to leap forward and test our wings. Because, see, this grace is, is the net beneath to catch us. It's the net of, of the divine givingness and the divine support for you and me. So you see, this growth is that divine impulse for progress. And the grace is the divine love that is always conspiring for our highest and best. Now hear me. There's a divine love in this universe and you're one with it. It lives in you. And this divine love is always conspiring for your highest and best. Always. 
It's always seeking to bring forth more of your capabilities. It's like a, a wise parent who, who is helping a toddler learn to test its legs and, and catches it when it falls back and keeps bringing it forward and keeps balancing the child as the child begins to take those first steps and, and, and then celebrates the ability to walk in that child. It's like that. It's like that, bringing forth our greater capacities, always conspiring for our highest and our best. Can you get that? That excites me. A lot of folks have given up on their life or feel somewhat out of the flow of grace. And I'm here to tell you, you can't be. There's that which is conspiring for your highest and best, but it can't do it unless you cooperate with it. And we'll talk a little more about that in a few moments. Conspiring for your highest and your best. I know another thing that a lot of folks assume is that God or the divine is very attached to the outcomes in our life. Very invested in us having certain outcomes or avoiding certain outcomes. And I want to suggest to you that that too is inaccurate. That the divine is not that interested in the outcomes of our life. What the divine is passionate about is our becoming. That's, what's, that's the name of the game for the divine in you and all around you. It's that you become. The will of the divine is not that you have certain experiences. The will of the divine is that you become that which you are designed and destined to become. Fully radiant, cosmic consciousness, spiritual beings, creating a heaven on earth wherever you go. And the divine is passionate for that and knows that all our experiences are leading us to that eventuality and no one can um, screw it up. Eventually we will all achieve that enlightenment and even beyond. We will all achieve that. And so the universe conspires for our growth and our becoming and our highest good. There's a great uh, vignette from the life of a wonderful, wonderful man who's passed over since. Uh, his name is Leo Biscalia. Maybe you remember that he's the wonderful professor who taught the courses on love at uh, USC, University of Southern California, and became renowned for it. And he wrote a book called Love. We've had a, we had him here several times. And he's just a beautiful guy. And he talks about a time when he was... Uh, he had just graduated, he was about 19, he graduated from high school, and he wanted to travel to Europe for a summer with his friends, and he'd saved up some money, and so his mom coached him that, Leo, you're going to have to really watch your money while you're over there, and Leo kind of pushed his mom away, you know, as teens will do, so he went over there, and he started really just having a whale of a time, just having a great time, living it up, partying a little bit much, perhaps, such that after just 30 days, after a month, he'd, he'd spent all his money. And he didn't know what he was going to do, and he was kind of getting panicked. So he sent his mom a telegram. It was short and cheap. And it simply said, Mama, starving, Leo. <laughs> and the next day he got a telegram back from Mama that said, Leo, starve, Mama. <laughs> and he writes that he was so upset so frustrated and angry with his mom. And yet, after a while, he realized the wisdom of it, that he had to dig into his own resources, his connection with God. He had to, he had to reach for his own resources and develop those. And he says it was the time he really grew up and solidified his deep connection to God. He went to work there, and he, he, he did, had some wonderful serendipitous experiences, and he made it work rather than just calling on Mama. 
And in some respects, that's such a beautiful vignette for how the universe conspires to evolve us and grow us uh, in our lives. You know, what it really calls us to is that moment when we are an unequivocal, clear, unmistakable yes to our growth. When you are an unmistakable, clear yes, the mechanics of grace immediately shift in and immediately go to work in your experience, attracting things to you, repelling other things, leading you, guiding you, blessing you in ways you can scarcely imagine. And yet all of that requires that we arrive at this definitive, unmistakable yes. I'm not talking about a yes if the plans are revealed to me. Yes, if everybody's comfortable with my decision. Yes, if um, things pan out as I expect them to. Yes, if. No, no, no. The conditional yes doesn't do it. And we really got to get in touch with how we short-circuit the grace of the universe by having these very ambiguous yes statements in our life. Yes, I want to grow, as long as it meets my criteria and is convenient and comfortable. But you know what? Can you think of a time a bitch can? When you did arrive at that kind of a yes. It's like nothing's going to stop it. This is a yes no matter what. It is a clear yes. It's a non-negotiable yes. It is unmistakable. I am a yes. And I tell you, if you've had those experiences in life, you know that things began to unfold for you. You were guided. Things happened. You brought into your life what you needed. You went forward. You were prospered. You were supplied because the universe could work through your yes. The universe doesn't work well through our ambiguity and self-sabotage. It can't. Will you arrive at that yes? Then you will know of a certainty of this grace I speak of today. It will flood into your life when you are a yes And you stop playing those old games with yourself and become a clear yes for your growth. I remember, uh, I've shared with you so many times of the transformation that went on for me in my very early 30s, especially as I opened my heart and had this incredible experience of the divine as a reality of love at the heart center and, 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 and how I was a radiance of love and my life was held in love and it was transformative at the deepest of levels and yet I hung out in that experience to kind of integrate it still quite cautious of relationships uh, very, very cautious in fact, paranoid because <laughs> I had messed up a bunch of them um, and, and finally though as I hung out in this love it was only congruent to let it express in a more deep and intimate way and, and that's when I arrived at this yes. I'm ready to play at a higher level in relationships. And I'm ready for a deep, rich, powerful, long-term one. And no sooner had I done that than in the coming days, I would stand out on that patio right out there in the vote center and I'd turn around and there was Erica, right there. And her life had woven its way and so had mine. And yet I know that my yes was the final key to that coming together. What's the yes it's time to declare for you? Because that's when your growth and grace lock in. There's a great illustration of this from a wonderful guy that I think a whole lot of. He's one of our New Thought movement. That's our overall movement. New Thought's most talented composers 
and musicians, and his name is Daniel Namod. We've had him here numbers of times. He's a wonderful guy. Some of the, the greatest New Thought songs, like One Power and others, he, is, he has composed. He writes about an earlier time in his life. He said he had graduated from college. Uh, he went into computer programming. He was doing tremendously. Uh, he had built a great career. He had a luxury condo, a 401k. Uh, he, he had no debt. He had a lovely fiance. And yet he writes, then came December 4th, 1997. I was in a computer class I didn't want to take, to learn skills I didn't want to learn, to quit a job I was terrified to quit, to become an independent computer consultant, which I desperately did not want to become, to earn many tens of thousands of dollars that I wouldn't be truly earning, to save up money for a wedding that would cost much more than I wanted, to marry a woman who my soul knew I shouldn't be marrying. He had an anxiety attack in that class. And he left and he splashed a bunch of cold water on his face. And he was wondering why he was so miserable. And then he writes, I was stopped in my tracks by the single most obvious and impactful miracle of my life thus far. While my job was impressive, prestigious, lucrative, conservative, adult, and mature, it had one underlying requirement that I lie, that I lie to myself, to my boss, to my co-workers, to my family, and to everyone around me. And it took only another five seconds before I got that this exact same realization applied to my central relationship. Powerful thing. One of those epiphany moments, you know. And so he writes, within the next eight months, I shed nearly all my possessions, my relationship, my job, my career, and my city. I moved to Los Angeles and began saying yes to what is manifested as an endless, spectacular torrent of miracles in music and everywhere else. In this new, deeply authentic life, I'm continuously aware of the miracles that just keep coming. There have been too many miracles supporting and sustaining and inspiring me to count. What a bold stand to grow beyond complacency or beyond a train that has been, would set down a track and he felt he couldn't change. And the power of his yes that could allow him not only to move to a new path of growth, growth, but to feel the grace of it all, like the wind under his wings. He goes on to write, one lesson I've learned about miracles is that you don't have to ask for them, pray for them, or beg for them. You only have to see them when they come, and they're always coming. Some of the earliest miracles in my musical career were financial miracles, Whenever I needed a certain amount of money to pay the bills, that amount of money would appear over and over and over again. You see, when you're in integrity with your authentic purpose of growth, and you're that yes, it's there. The supply is there. It's only when we're haphazard in our yes, we're, we're conditional, or, or when we're off purpose that the universe is blocked from prospering us. And supplying us. And he even talks about how the setbacks were all part of the miracles. One experience that few consider a miracle is the miracle of no. 
For instance, it may be, no, you can't sing there. No, you don't get that gig. No, you don't get the recording contract. No, you don't get the car. No, you don't get the girl. The miracle is that even the no's are conspiring for my highest and best. Indeed, I believe that everyone and everything is conspiring for my highest and best. So when you're committed to the growth you know is true and authentic for you, and you're that yes, even what looks like apparent setbacks or no's are a part of the unfolding of the grace as well. And you don't get too put off by that. You're not dependent on those, those things. You've got a deeper yes that overrides the surface nose, and you keep going. And so he concludes, in my daily life, I certainly feel occasional frustration, sadness, and discouragement. But by and large, in this consciousness, that everything is grace, that everything is conspiring for my highest and best, that even the no is a miracle, I feel a profound fullness, a destiny, a sense of creativity, support, and love. And as I say in one of my songs, it's the power of the love in you and me. And at any moment, we all have the capacity to recognize the infinite supply and presence of all manner of miracles in our lives and to give thanks. Yes. All right, let's declare that. Yes. To growth. To our grace. How about we get really clear that the yes is, first of all, yielding, then it's embracing, and then it's soaring. Yeah, yes begins with yielding. It begins with yielding the structures of limitation that we have placed around our lives. It's it's yielding, it's releasing and letting go of the fear-based resistances like trying to drive through life with your foot on the brake. It's releasing that. It's releasing the artificial goals that were never your soul's sincere desire. It's yielding all these structures for limitation in our lives. It's letting go of the excuses, letting go of the past, letting go of other people's verdicts or other people's advice. And it's moving forward according to a yes. But you've got to let go of what can't go on this greater journey with you. It is yielding. And then it's embracing. Your yes is an embracing of the deeper impulse, of the higher calling, of the immense amount of love and power within you that wants to find a way to get out and to express in your life. And it's embracing the Joshua in you and the Caleb in you is to realize what a magnificent being you are. You are spiritually magnificent. You're designed that way. The Creator didn't create a bunch of wimps, a bunch of inadequate losers. It doesn't know anything of the kind. You are created spiritually magnificent. Do you know that? Can you let go of the nonsense and the junk and step into the light and embrace who you are? Because then, gang, you can step to the edge and you know it's totally safe to spread your wings to soar, soaring forth into your greater yet to be, knowing that grace accompanies you every moment and every step of the way and that it's good and it's very good and it doesn't run out. And it doesn't falter unless you do a yes to all 
that can be. This partnership of growth and grace is what it's all about. Next Sunday, we launch a new program called Living the Vision, a new series. And our first theme in this is going to be On Course. And I love that. Pathways to Empowering the Possible. On Course. And just to get, this, is, this message is kind of like a prelude to that. And one of the things we'll be talking about in great depth next Sunday are the dances we do. And most people are caught up in what's, what I'm going to call a survival dance. What we're about today is the sacred dance. The very sacred dance of your being. Let's dance that dance. Let's be that yes and go forward in a new and higher trust. In fact, here's what you can just declare to that part of you that might be feeling like you'll falter. Just declare, trust the grace and go for it. Let's say that together. Trust the grace and go for it. Again, trust the grace and go for it. One more time. Trust the grace and go for it. Remember what our founder wrote. When we learn to trust the universe, we shall be happy, prosperous, and well. And so it is.